Welcome to the Vice Casting Couch, Season 1, Episode 13. I'm Ryan, and joining me is Aaron and John. And today we're going to be talking about how the new pandemic, or coronavirus, is affecting the tech world, and vulnerability in Microsoft Patch, and much more. Hopefully. We'll see. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm living. <laughs> I'm quarantined right now. Still quarantined, too. I mean, this ain't no joke, either. No, it's uh, it's kind of annoying. I'm I'm not minding. My work's paying me to sit at home, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing my side business at home. I'm making pretty good money. It's actually not that bad. Wait, so y'all don't have to like telework or anything? No. You know, I I answer my emails, but about other than that, there's not really much I can do. Yeah, true that. Lucky bastards. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> do you want to uh, start off? Start us off, John. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, In this coronavirus outbreak, GameStop has actually shut down some of their regular operations. Um, They announced that they'll be closing all its stores to regular walk-in customers starting March 22nd. Customers will be able to use the curbside pickup option at certain stores to receive purchases, or they can use the standard shipping options on the website. One of the good things is, though, the GameStop has pledged to pay their employees who are affected by these closures for an additional two weeks and to to provide their employee benefit contributions for the next month. How many people still use GameStop? Hey, that's that's what I was going to (laughs) ask. Where do they have money to pay their employees? These are all good questions. but (laughs) I I wanted to say I read a story the other day. Um, Someone, maybe one of you told me this, actually. But it was uh, that GameStops declared themselves to be a crucial service, and I, I made a joke, you Wait, know, sparingly, what? that the only reason that they're in a crucial service and they're staying open is because if they close, they're never going to open again. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of put them on the same level as like Radio Shack. I haven't been in a GameStop in years. Like, yeah, same. I didn't even know they were still around till I read that story the other day. Like, all I've heard is people complain about GameStop, and I've never heard anything like positive I don't guess. you didn't you see the ma'am meme that in the GameStop? <laughs> yeah that was about oh, the only good thing uh, that came out of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it I was guess, hilarious yeah. it's ma'am i mean that I was will, pretty funny but still I don't, I don't know how they've survived this long i don't, I don't understand do they, you know, do, I, I still see they're a market um for like game mine because i feel like uh when games come out like the first day like mm-hmm. instead of waiting for it to get in the mail like hardcore gamers or line up at some kind of retail establishment yeah but can't yeah, you but just download it yeah i can just download it you just well you it. know like some people like the physical copy and all that shit well like, plus with the physical copy here's my issue with it right is that i have an xbox whenever i put the disc in there it has me download a bunch of crap anyways yeah, exactly so it's like why not just download the entire thing because it's still taking up half my damn hard drive exactly it's like dvds like dvd no, sales I, have gone way down Look, I don't know how GameStop's still around. It's just they're gonna be like Toys R Us in a couple years. I think. <laughs> Man, I'm just GameStop's unless they have do, s- do they have an uh, an online like presence? Do they have any sort of like renting scheme? I mean, I like don't think so. Video game uh, Netflix type thing. I know they gave me three dollars for my used games. That's what <laughs> I. <bought. laughs> that you bought for sixty bucks. Yeah, exactly. We'll give you I five dollars like, for it. <laughs> I feel like they started a like a uh, wasn't it GameFly? Something yeah, they started like a Game like a red Fly. a red box type thing for games. Yeah, GameFly was like this. Netflix, you could order a game to the mail. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't and, think uh, that was GameStop though. I thought oh. GameStop ran it. 
Well, anyway. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's, they're getting money from somewhere to pay their employees. Yeah. I, I will say, uh, just for all the IT people out there, I bet it's been a, a very shitty couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I know at least with, with me working, like it's been like, oh, I need this and this and this. And, hey, do you think that we could have everyone in the office VPN? And it's like, no, Bill. <laughs> Our infrastructure was not built for everyone. To or OWA. Yes. Yeah, or OWA. Like, the services that have been going down is just absolutely amazing. Like, mm-hmm. um, I've been able to access Disney Plus in like a week now. I don't know if that's actually a Disney problem or if that's a me problem. I'm not quite sure yet. But it worked well, before. Now it doesn't. So I was reading an article that Netflix actually um, agreed to lower their resolution in Europe because so oh, many people really. were staying home watching Nice Netflix. way to segue into my next story. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So, like, the EU has um, contacted Netflix and YouTube about reducing both their video streaming quality. Because yeah. apparently everyone staying in for these two weeks and all that is has been putting some stress on uh, residential broadband networks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Netflix is reducing their bit rate on video streams. But they said it won't affect the resolution. But they said for the next 30 days in the EU and the UK, um, they'll be at a lower bit rate. Hmm. And then YouTube across the board has just, they took a slightly different approach. They're just uh, automatically putting everything at standard definition. Oh, gotcha. So, you know, like when you click on a video, it'll automatically be like HD or whatever. Yeah, it goes to the highest it can. Yeah, this one, it just goes straight to standard definition. And it sounds like you can change it still, but, Mm -hmm. you know, who's really going to do all that? I mean, it's not stupid, though. That's pretty smart. This almost segues into another one. I was listening to, you know, all the... Go ahead. I, I was just going to, you know, some people have brought concerns about, like, this story. They're like, is there really this much stress being put up on the um, infrastructure? Because, like, BT, uh, the UK-based internet provider, was saying, this is just fine. We have plenty of room to grow. And even Cloudfare looked at, like, yeah, there's some increased usage on the last mile networks. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, this is nothing unusual. Like, rises 10 to 40% happen all the time with stuff like the Olympics and the World Cup. Yeah, that, like that. yeah, that's true, actually. Or yeah. like the Super Bowl in America. like. Yeah, exactly. See, yeah. This is something like, uh, like I've been listening to all the CEOs in the stock market and everything. They've been coming out talking about things in the, the tech giants. Like I was listening to, a, no, they're not a giant, but a Zscaler, um, Salesforce, uh, you know, Verizon came out, uh, AT&T did too and Cisco and they're talking like oh the networks aren't the problem it's usually what you have in your business in your you know cloud data center wherever wherever your stuff is that's usually the problem they say the infrastructure can handle it it's mm-hmm. the like you said the last mile networks that typically end up having issues like you know at, our, at your home is your house really built to have 300 people work off of it no yeah. and most small businesses that I end up working with they actually have home products in their mm-hmm. business and they're trying to use those to vpn all 80 people in their workforce like mm-hmm. yeah no it's not happening like you know you you only have a 100 megabit down internet connection you're not going to be able to vpn your entire workforce and access local you know stuff it's just it's not working out the way they think i think that this is getting better over time though and i think it's showing mm-hmm. people more the reason to move to the cloud too yeah yeah comptia did a they sent out an article about this like just what you have to look out for, what you have to, I guess, take into consideration if you're a business and you want all your people to telework. They're like, one, you got to support audio and visual. 
um, because they they have to Skype in and stuff like that and have video conferences. And they're like, that takes up a lot of bandwidth. Um, and obviously VPNing in, that takes up a lot of bandwidth as well. And you have to have a, a workstation for every person to take home that it, that it has it integrated so they can VPN back in. So like there's a whole lot of stuff that they were like, companies aren't, aren't realizing that <laughs> this takes more effort. Oh, I was just going to say, I know a lot of IT people have been scrambling to install a VPN. Oh, yeah. uh, one of our buddies, he works in the hotel industry, he said it's all he's been doing the past week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I know the insurance industry has been hit hard, like in my hometown. Uh, you know, Geico is one of the largest employers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw a picture of their parking lot. It's completely empty. Jeez. And I, I asked one of the people who works there who I know, and they were like, yeah, everyone's working from home. We have this new software and everything, and we're all going to work from home. And I'm like, there's like 500 people who work in that building. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we're all going to work from home. And I'm like, and yeah. I messaged them today. I was like, how's that working out? And there he was like, it is terrible. <laughs> it is slow. And I'm like, well, it's not built for that. So, you yeah, know, exactly. I mean, all their stuff is located internal to that building. I mean, you know, it is yeah. what it is. But it's basically like a virtual desktop environment. Mm-hmm. Which, as we all know from working with it, those are absolutely terrible unless you yep. do a very good job managing it. Um, I just find it interesting. I think after this, after this is all over, after coronavirus is all gone, I, I think that we're going to have a, uh, let's say, a massive call on how do we improve our IT assets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It'd be oh, interesting to see how like tech companies fare. Like, do you think that would cause a, uh, you know, more investment to go into stuff like that, like Azure and AWS and all that? I think so. It, by investment, do you mean people moving to it or people investing in the platform like Microsoft, the company? Well, we already know Microsoft and Amazon are both heavily vested in their uh, cloud infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking yeah. like other companies, you know, joining them, like becoming a part of their Azure and AWS. Oh, absolutely. And we, we mm-hmm. know that the, the cloud market was already growing substantially before this. Um, this is just more reason because, you know, this, this infrastructure that you would buy to host this stuff internally, it is very expensive to maintain. And it is not only very expensive to maintain, you have to pay someone to maintain it. Not that I don't want to lose my job. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you also have to fix the mechanical components that come with it, uh, yeah. you know, make sure it's cooled and everything like that. And a lot of businesses, they don't want to do that anymore. So instead of having their host server in their company – like I, one of my clients called me this week. They're like, how do we make this better? My internet is just not good enough in this area. Mm-hmm. And they were like, but we want to telework. And I was like, honestly, the best way, let's migrate to the cloud. And they're like, do you really think that now is the best time to do this? And I was like, absolutely. They, Amazon can handle it. Yeah. And they have. And we got them migrated, you know, early, well, now this week, but earlier this week. Um, and it was really easy. It took us about four hours of work. And I think that more companies are going to be doing that in the long run, especially after this. They're just going to pick up. I think they're just going to dump, start dumping a lot of stuff in the cloud. Yeah. Uh, so I can start a story on this uh, fake online coronavirus map uh, that delivers a different kind of virus. And so this was a uh, kind of a clone of the coronavirus or COVID-19 global cases by John Hopkins University. Uh, it was basically a world map that showed you uh, the extent of the coronavirus and where it was spreading to and all this stuff. So this this is more of just kind of a PSA. Um, I know this has been talked about on the news a little bit um, and, and elsewhere online, but I just wanted to put it out there. Uh, just make sure you're going to an actual reputable site. Um, it's a corona-virus-map.com is the bad URL. 
that's the <laughs> that is the do not go to one. it yeah do not go to that um if you go to like the actual john hopkins university um like website or whatever they should have a good link for it um it, does, it says nothing about coronavirus in the in the url uh just make sure you're going to the to the correct one but what i also found interesting was the virus that it ends up infecting your computer with is the azure alt uh virus and this actually isn't a new virus it's been around for a while uh there's a bunch of screenshots online showing uh, previous attempts to get uh, to spam this out there to, to customers. It was usually through like spam emails and stuff like that. Uh, one example that uh, PCRisk.com shows is like a um, you get an email saying, "Oh, can you take a look at my resume?" Blah blah. blah and you open it up, and they open it up in Office. You trust the document, and then install the virus. Um, you can also open up your uh, um, uh, task manager, and you can look for something. It says Samsung is one of the processes sometimes it runs under, um, but it's like uh, uppercase and lowercase alternative spelling of Samsung. Um, so it just kind of looks weird. But yeah, if you just go through your task manager, if you have visited those sites before, just run a few scans on your computer, make sure you don't have this freaking thing. But, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And another uh, version kind of of this uh, Azure Alt uh, push is... Proton VPN. Apparently, I'm guessing it's Russian because <laughs> um, the the virus name sometimes pops up in Russian, uh, like in your task manager. But they basically cloned Proton VPN's website, and it looks exactly like it, um, except it's Proton VPN um, dot store, and that's I guess that's the fake one. Uh, so obviously, just make sure you're actually going to ProtonVPN's site. Um, make sure it's HTTPS and secured and all that. But uh, yeah, so the it says the replica's URL address is ProtonVPN.store, which is not correct. The genuine one is ProtonVPN.com. Um, so just be on the lookout for that because as soon as you obviously put in your information, they steal your information and then the Azure Alt Trojan um, gets downloaded, which is a password stealing. It's basically spyware. Um, it steals your password, steals all your uh, browsing cookies and stuff like that, so they can log in under your name. Yes, yeah, is I was looking at the Azure. I had a similar article actually, and it says um, it collects information stored in your web browsers, particularly cookies, browsing histories, user IDs, mm -hmm. passwords, and even cryptocurrency keys. Yep. Um, it says with these. With the data drawn from the browser, it's possible for them to steal credit card numbers, login credentials, and various other sensitive information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nasty. Um, I don't know how long it's been around for exactly, but it seems to have some sort of resurgence right now. Well, it says um, it says here the Azure Alt. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's how it's pronounced. It says it was discovered in 2016, so it's okay. been so around about years. four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I was trying to find this, when I was trying to pull it up to you know, comment on stuff you were saying. I found another article that's um, also interesting. It'll be kind of short, but essentially with this whole coronavirus thing, hackers have created thousands of, uh, of sites registering domain names. Um, they've even offered like discount codes that are like coronavirus or COVID-19. Uh, like one of them is a Goodness. Facebook hacking circuit, uh, service. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's someone who goes by the moniker SSH hacker is offering services of hacking into Facebook accounts for a 15% discount using uh, 
promo code COVID-19. Jeez. And there's another, another one for Windows Defender Bypass and all kinds of other stuff. So, like, apparently there's, there's some good marketing they're using. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just be safe. Uh, obviously, you know, all the hype is social distancing and stuff, but that doesn't stop the online community. So it's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunists out there who are taking advantage of this. Yeah, like um, all the new phishing attacks and yes, apparently exactly. hospitals are being hit with oh. ransomware and stuff like that. Speaking of, like, phishing attacks and stuff, Am I the only one who is sick of getting, no pun intended, sick of getting uh, emails from like every company that has your email address saying that they're aware of like COVID-19? Yes, <laughs> as if yes. we're all not aware. Oh my goodness. It is so frustrating. <laughs> I got like, I'll get emails from like nothing medical. They're just random companies that I put my email into one time. And they're like, uh, yes, we are aware of the new COVID-19 and we will work our hardest to keep our services and we hope you're safe. And I'm like, okay, why? Why are you sending me this? It's like, I don't know if it's like virtue signaling or they're just doing it because other companies are doing it and they don't want to seem like they don't care. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's super annoying. <laughs> it's basically spam. But anyway, that's, that's all it is, is spam. That's all it is. is spam. Yeah, it, it means nothing to me. I don't care that you know about the COVID-19 virus. Like, I, I don't know. Whatever. No, I got you. Anyways. Just want to say, if you're on an Android phone, do not use COVID-19 tracker. It's found to install COVID lock ransomware. Oh, goodness. Which, if it you pay $100 in Bitcoin, you can get <laughs> your phone back. <laughs> God. Goodness gracious. Yeah, just, I don't know. I haven't even looked up any... Sort like I looked up the John Hopkins map uh, once, like the actual one, but like I don't know. I just try to avoid it as much as possible, just because there's so many freaking uh, like hackers and scammers and stuff that are taking advantage of the situation. It's like I, I don't know. I don't I don't need to mess with that. I'm good. I'll just stay Agreed. away from it for now. Um, there is a, a program though that I thought was pretty useful that uh, PCRisk.com mentions. Uh, that's Auto Runs. Um, I don't know if you guys have used this before, but I use it all the time. It is kind of, uh, it's pretty useful because you can see everything that starts up with your computer, all scheduled tasks, all like, um, basically everything that's running on your computer. And it makes it really easy if you are trying to find out the name of like a virus that is on your computer, if you think you are affected. Um, it's not, it doesn't remove anything. It's not an antivirus. It literally just lets you see everything that's running. And I find it really helpful because I can speed up my computer and kind of tinker with it a little bit um, to get programs from, from not uh, just auto-starting every time my computer starts and stuff. And it also tells you if it can't find the file source uh, for that file. So you can just disable it. So if it's a, like an outdated uh, program that was deleted, but it still boots up every time your computer boots up, but it doesn't actually go anywhere, you can just disable it and delete it. Um, so I don't know. It, I saw that they mentioned that in here. And... Uh, um, I thought I'd mention it. It's it's a pretty su- um, useful piece of software. Obviously, we're not like sponsored or anything, but I just, I just think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I know CCleaner and Bitdefender. Also, a lot of a lot of um, programs will show you what starts up and how it yeah. slows down your computer. And yeah, and you like yeah, and you can look up. I mean, like basic ones and Task Manager and stuff like that under under startup. But it just kind of goes more in depth and shows every file that starts up with your mm. computer and you can choose to show like windows processes as well and disable those 
Um, or you can hide all those and just focus on like, you know, add-on software that you can disable. What's but, it called? Uh, it's called Auto Runs. Auto Runs. Yeah. But you just run it as administrator. It just gathers all the info for you. Um, it's an old program. It's not new. Uh, it's I don't know how old it is, but it's it's been around for a while. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I just I ran into it again a couple of years ago, and I completely forgotten about it because um, I used to use it like on my Windows Seven machine just to try to speed it up, and um, I ran into it again, and then download again i was like yeah this is still extremely helpful so i don't know just thought i'd mention it well moving to something just a little bit more on the happy side yeah yeah um <laughs> amd is releasing a seven nanometer ryzen 4000 laptop processor hmm. um so if you if you are not aware um amd has very i wouldn't say terrible but uh i most laptops that you would probably find are most likely running some type of Intel chipset. Um, most of them are not running AMD, and hopefully AMD can change that with this new processor, the new Ryzen processor. Um, but I, I honestly don't see how Intel is going to compete with it because Intel currently doesn't have anything on the market. Yeah, I know John knows a lot more about this than I do. I just thought oh, it was amazing. You just got me all excited. Uh, you know I love talking about AMD <laughs> and hey, Lisa look, too. Look. I all I know is, is I I I was looking at AMD's market share in the in the laptop industry uh, a couple of days ago, um, and it it is actually pretty terrible. It's it's actually very terrible actually. Yeah. And then I thought about it. I was like, when have I seen a laptop that has an AMD processor in it? And I was like, oh, that's right, I have it. Oh, I have. I will recently, say, recently. No. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, I was helping someone buy a laptop, and these Ryzen processors. I've been in. Um, uh, laptops more recently, like the last two years, mm -hmm. and they're actually pretty good because they also have the um, like their AMD like GPUs. They're all like APU designs, from my understanding, mm -hmm. with the integrated graphics and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're actually quite good uh, with the performance. I know with the AMD uh, 4000 that Aaron was just talking about, certain tests have shown that it, it beats Intel in multi-threaded performance and graphic performance. And that the single-threaded performance is finally achieving, like, being on par with Intel. Because that's always been the hardest part for AMD is um, getting to that single-threaded performance. Intel's yeah. always had the, the edge on them with that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're finally catching up. With yeah. with the 4000 series, it says that, like, battery, it produces power consumption just with the 7 nanometer process. So, like, mm -hmm. um, it'll allow the battery to last longer. So with with processor news, that's not that's not it though. So in the in the cloud space, turns out um, all I, the I've Epic processors a, do what? Are you talking about AMD's Epic processors? No. Um, uh oh. <laughs> so so when you <laughs> when you when you think of processors though, one thing you don't think of is Amazon. Um, when I think processors, I'm thinking like you know Qualcomm. I'm thinking. AMD, I'm thinking Intel, right? Yeah. I do not think Amazon. However, apparently Amazon has bought a lab that is their only customer is Amazon, and they're working with AWS. Oh, no. um, and they're now developing Graviton 2 chips that are competing fairly well in the um, ARM architecture against AMD and Intel x86 loads. Um, apparently the big issue with these right now is emulating x86 uh 
architecture things that run on it and mm. that's the most difficult part so um you know 32-bit and 64-bit items are having trouble running on the arm and you know mm. uh architecture um so emulating is costing them a lot but apparently they're making great strides at getting past that um i'm definitely not an expert in processors but i can look at prices and i can definitely be like okay i see how this is good so i have a chart up here and it's showing a an amd processor and an intel xeon which of course has been a server processor since my grandfather was alive um <laughs> but um anyway so three dot three uh dollars and 80 cents an hour for a xeon processor to run right um two dollars and 75 cents for an amd zen processor to run and then $2.46 for the Graviton to run the same loads. So obviously it's, it's generating a, a huge price savings over the long period of time. So if we see Amazon swap all of their data centers to their own Graviton processors, if they find a way to emulate the x86 instruction set well yeah. on an ARM processor, I could foresee you know, them start developing processors for regular desktop computers and laptops and other things. Now, I don't know the barriers to entry for that. I haven't done too much research into it to be able to speak, you know, too high up there. Maybe John knows a little bit more than I do. Um, but I'm just thinking, like, this could be something big, like, if Amazon actually figures this out. Because I know Qualcomm's been trying to figure this out for years. So is Microsoft with their Surface X. Yeah, I was going to say, um, ARM has been run on Windows. I think, what, Windows um, 10, is it RT? Uh, yeah, the RT, and then the the Surface X actually runs on ARM as well. Um, like ARM, ARM is making great strides. It's already in pretty much every mobile phone out there. Um, yeah. It's it's in a lot of more other devices. Like a Raspberry Pi uses ARM. Uh, can you can you explain what ARM is? ARM is an instruction set. Yeah, yeah. it's it's the instruction set of the the um, arc the processor. It's like you have the x86 instruction set, which is what you're currently running on everything yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, why. so it's just John an instruction set, more. and um, <laughs> like x86 is owned by Intel, so everyone who makes an x86 processor has to get like um, rights from Intel, and like so they have to pay like some kind of royalty, and then they're like, okay, you can use our stuff. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is the x86 64 was actually developed by AMD. Um, you'll see when you download stuff, it's sometimes there's an it says AMD 64. It's because mm -hmm. AMD made the 64-bit architecture, and so like Intel actually has to lease that from AMD. It's kind of interesting. But ARM is a different one. It uses the uh, RISC architecture, and it's just um just a form of um in the instruction set for it, and it's just cheaper to license. That's why pretty much all the phones use it. It's not as like um costly to develop and stuff like that. Okay, we just. I don't we just throw a lot of acronyms and stuff around. I just want to make sure that we're like explaining everything. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we can get a little deep. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I just I brought it up because I, I foresee the the server industry going a little more towards cost effectiveness, not necessarily just huge core capacity. Um, I know when I was doing Bitcoin mining, it was more about like how many cores do you have, whereas I see the the cert those graphics though it's a little bit different but i see servers in general going to how do we lower how do we raise the clock speed as high as we can go and then lower the cost of running it overall so they're yeah. not really concerned about shoving 87 cores onto a chip it seems yeah like so far it looks like they're 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 getting more cores and less power less uh less clock speed and they're good with that they're fine with that 
but I don't I don't know. It, it, it seems that Intel is, is really losing this battle, especially on the laptop front, the desktop front, the server front. I don't really know what they're doing over there. So, I mean, I, I read an article on that, and they were saying that Intel thought that AMD would never, that they wouldn't really have a, a huge competitor for several years um, before AMD came out with the Ryzen. Well, they thought wrong. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they, I guess they, um, and again, I don't know if this is gospel or not, but this is just alleged, that they uh, diverted a lot of their budget towards other, um, other like research and development besides CPUs. Because they thought, we'll wow. just keep on improving our own CPUs. We'll be fine. We, I mean, they owned, at the time, they owned like 90% of the, the market. Mm-hmm. Um, like no one was, was even competing with them. And they're like, oh yeah, AMD just has their old like FX processors and stuff like that. Like they're never going to actually catch up. And then obviously the Ryzen came out and bam, they were, they were now competing. And they're starting to kind of, I don't know if they're gaining on Intel yet, but they're, they're getting there. And now Intel's having to scramble to try to uh, push uh, budget into CPUs again because before they were unchallenged and now they're losing the battle. I will say AMD has made great leaps and bounds because oh, yeah. the pile drive architecture that was in the FX series, it was absolutely garbage. It wasn't it utilized wasn't to its full potential. <laughs> um, and just because the, it was weird how the cores shared the, the different cache yeah. and everything. Um, but Zen, they, they rebuilt it from the ground up and and Mm -hmm. they're just gaining so much more market share because one, they came in with similar performance. Like it was close to Intel. It wasn't exactly the same when they first came out, but it was pretty good. And then the price they were offering at was unbeatable. Mm -hmm. And then you can just see this in like, um, stuff like the Xbox one, the PS4, even the PS5 and the, the new Xbox all have contracts with AMD. AMD is providing chips for all of those consoles. I think they're even in the Switch. Um, another interesting thing was Apple starting to have like Radeon graphics in their Macs. Like AMD is just making leaps and bounds, and I don't see anything um, happening with them. Yeah, I don't see I any do. reason for them to stop either. I do want to correct what I said earlier. I meant to say they're trying to put more cores. You know, they're not really necessarily concerned about clock speed. I, I just looked it up actually. Um, so the, oh, yeah. the Xeon model that I was looking at has 24 cores. Uh, the AMD model has 32, and the new ARM version has 64 cores in one socket. Jeez. And, I mean, I don't know. That That is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's, but That's a lot of cores. <laughs> um, I, mean, if you, I mean, if you had 30 of them, boys, you could probably do some work. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, apparently it runs at 2.5 gigahertz. Um, it's comparable to the AMD version. It, it's a 2.5 to 2.9. Um, and then the Intel obviously has a higher clock speed overall. Um, I will say, I mean, like I said, John knows a lot more about this than me, but Intel seems to have higher clock speeds, but mm-hmm. less cores. I don't know if that's their strategy. I don't know exactly what they're doing there. Well, um, AMD is doing something interesting. They are like... They're, they've been focusing on these cores for a while. That was kind of like what got the FX series some of its marketing in the beginning part. Is because they're like, get this 4.5 gigahertz, 8-core processor, but then their architecture was trash. But the, the Zen, it still keeps up with the core count, but actually it's good architecture now. And they're like like I said, they're offering like 8 cores for like 300 bucks, if not cheaper sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Threadripper's coming out with like 16. And I want to even say like 32 cores. Um and they're yeah, still running with this. Yeah, they're still running with this more core count. I want to say there was something about a sixty-four, but I could be wrong. 
Yeah, the 3990X, the 64-core Threadripper processor. Yeah. Isn't that thing like the size of my hand, though? It is pretty big. <laughs> AMD is doing yeah. something interesting because they're putting multiple dies um, on a chip and they're linking them together with this, uh, what do they call it? It's a fabric. Mesh the um, Infinity fabric, I think, yeah. is what they call it. And, and they communicate with each other and it just combines them. And it's interesting from a production point of view because if they make all eight core chips and then during testing, two of the cores don't work, they just turn it into a six core chip. You know, like, yeah, it, I mean, it's kind of it. I want to say it's that for the, for the large data center, though, that wouldn't necessarily work just because of the fact that the, the power is going to be so high on those AMD CPUs. So, like, the oh. one I'm looking at here, the, the 32, and I imagine it, it has 64, it's hyper-threaded to it, has 64 virtual cores. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is 180, looks like watts, 180 watts, whereas the TDP of the Graviton 2 is 80 to 110. So, I mean, you cannot beat it on power. I'm not arguing against that. Um, in ARM, I think we are heading towards an ARM future, if you ask me. It, it, the problem is, is developers and operating systems need to get used to running, um, get used to the ARM instruction set. It is different. x86 has been bloated for years, especially with the addition of the 64-bit instructions. They just kind of been caking stuff on, and it's kind of legacy. Um, it's still good at what it does, but once everyone gets used to ARM, like we're seeing it come out in Chromebooks, we're seeing it in like the Raspberry Pi, like tons of devices nowadays are running ARM, and it, it's just a matter of time before the desktop industry gets taken over. So you're saying that people are just running x86 because they're used to it? Well, and it's always been the standard. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think once the adoption gets there, like once um like all your programs work and all your um your operating system and all that runs and there's actual like chips out there designed as like a desktop or laptop replacement Mm -hmm. um for the current processors i think that's when we'll really start to see it i I think it's similar to like gaming on linux like you know it's been there but it it took time like steam had to invest in it and make steam os and and different things like that and it's starting to is finally starting to take off but Mm -hmm. i i would say microsoft agrees with john's point of view i mean they're they have put a lot of money into developing a windows that will run on arm like i keep mentioning the surface x but that is like the biggest thing is they really want windows to be able to run on arm so i think we see that the flow of money is going towards it and i could see you know in 30 years we might not they might be like oh we have this x86 pc over here and they're like oh it's a dinosaur like come on now is that (laughs) is that next to the rotary phone like oh yeah i got one of them we got that back there. I mean, we're gonna have five G and ARM processors. I mean, but from what I from what I've read about it, ARM is gonna revolutionize the world. It really will, um, because it'll allow us to make a lot smaller devices. Um, well, so like your lap, like the new Surface. I don't know if you've seen it. You should Google it if you haven't. But it is like super thin. Yeah. It is super thin. Whereas the the legacy Surface that runs with an Intel chip is thick. Like, it, it's that normal, heavy, you know, computer that you're used to. But, I mean, you could cut battery power that you need. You could cut the amount of space that's needed for the actual processor. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Qualcomm chip's been doing a system-on-chip setup for a long time. If we could find a way to make that run a desktop setup reliably, I get that Samsung's tried but failed. Not failed. It runs <laughs> Android just fine, but I don't want to run Android. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if we could find a way to make that work reliably, it would... It would be revolutionary. I think 
if AMD and Intel wanted to stay competitive, they they should really look at the system on chip. Like that that is what's causing like all these devices to be so small, be so power efficient. Um, like Qualcomm is heavily invested in this with their their Snapdragon lineup. Um, speaking about 5G, you know Qualcomm is releasing their 765G, which has the 5G modem built on the chip. Um, all the phones that have come out that supported 5G have been using the 865, and it has to have a separate modem chip. Um, so, like as they just consolidate, it's just going to get more energy efficient, better. I think if Intel and AMD could do something similar in that, they might be able to hold on to the market a little bit longer. So, uh, mentioning 5G, what is y'all's opinion on like the the whole 5G push? It is. I I don't know. I've just I've just read a, a lot of articles on it and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm not an expert on on like um, radio waves or anything like that, but it doesn't seem like just like a countrywide solution it doesn't seem like a good idea for cities i think it's an excellent solution but for rural areas and even suburbs potentially it, it would not be as good in my opinion i don't, I don't even think for cities though because like in the testing that i've seen you have to be super close and there can be no obstructions unless you put it on every single freaking light pole in the city but I mean, cities could do that with putting them on the light poles they could also give uh businesses like femto cells and everything like that yeah, yeah. but sure like the the cost benefit of that though like putting that much infrastructure into a city for what for just faster well, cell service why don't we just stick with 4g we already do it we we've already all of us have been to the uk verizon yeah. verizon is one of the leaders in 5g currently mm-hmm. um and they've talked about how are you going to deploy 5g it's very difficult you know it doesn't transmit very well very mm-hmm. far um, and their answer has been, we're going to come up with innovative solutions for it, um, putting it on light poles, you know, attaching it to weird surfaces. Because actually, the 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 mechanism to allow five G is actually not that big. Yeah, um, no, I've, it I've could seen go on it, a light but... pole. Yeah, and, and even then, they've talked about integrating it into your home router. That way, your home router also provides a five G signal. That's one of the options mm-hmm. that they presented. They presented several options about how do we integrate it into a city. We could put it in a subway, like. I mean, I think there are ways that they're going to make this work that we're just not privy to, that it's yeah, not out maybe. yet. But, I mean, yeah. look at 4G. When 4G was coming out, everybody was like, oh, it'll never work. It'll never work. No <laughs> well, one yeah. will ever be able to get that to work because it's too much. Literally, like, if you go back and look at the articles when 4G was coming out, people were like, it's too expensive. No one's ever going to upgrade their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, it requires new phone towers, and uh, it requires an upgrade to existing phone towers. Guess what? 12 years later we got 4g up and i guarantee you the push for 5g is only bigger like businesses want 5g and no, people it, want 5g it makes sense for like businesses and stuff like that like especially like hospitals and stuff like that to be able to get that amount of data that quickly is is crucial that's i i fully support that i think that's a great idea um but just like putting on every light pole in the city just so like you can what load a, a video faster i I just don't I don't I don't really see the the benefit to it unless I mean obviously this is this is me researching it when this first was announced and they were first going to push it and these were the ideas that they were throwing around obviously they're you know a year down the road or something someone may come up with a you know a, a super innovative idea that makes this completely plausible but just right now I, I just like I, I wouldn't go out and buy a 5G capable phone just to get 5G basically well no right now it's too early it's way too early right now but mm-hmm. I I, I don't think it's as bad as people are making it. I think it transmits a little bit further than what people are thinking. I think people are conflating their 
5G connection at home, their 5 gigahertz connection they have in their house, which is terrible, with mm. 5G internet, and thinking, well, my router can't project 5G that far. Because I've had people at work tell me that 5G on their home router is the same 5G that they're going to be getting. <laughs> oh, and I'm no. like, I, I think you need to look at a, a, spe a RF spectrum. Uh, a like, manual? <laughs> yeah, like, well, or, you know, just Google it, but, you know, it is what it is, but... It's not the same thing, and I think we're going to come up with new – I think the market is going to make it happen. It's okay, going well, to make it happen. One of the things is they're talking about 4 or 5G, just like 4G. It's going to be on a multiple bands, and mm -hmm. the bands really play a crucial step in how this is going to work because they're talking of frequency as low as 600 megahertz all the way up to 3.8 gigahertz. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know if you guys know this, but with – frequency 600 megahertz it'll travel farther but it can't hold the same like um speed of yeah, data because yeah. yeah it can't hold the same bandwidth but 3.8 it's super fast but it can only go short distances so i think just like 4g it'll be a mixture of mm. the 600 and the 3.8 so that way when you go certain areas it'll your phone will automatically switch okay that that makes more sense because um, like i believe it's was it san francisco I can't remember one one of the like major cities in the U.S. has gone. They've already deployed five G like on telephone poles, and uh, like around the city. Mm -hmm. And I was just I can't remember who I was watching on YouTube, but they were they were testing it. They had a five G capable phone uh, from Verizon, and they were basically like walking around and seeing what would block the signal and what would you know how far they had to be away to load like a YouTube video. Um, and it was basically like it was fine if they were within like 20 feet and then as soon as they like went behind a building it just and it just dropped down to 4g so but that makes sense if they if they're gonna start um you know like signal hopping and get and, and or uh, frequency yeah. hopping that would make a lot more sense for uh, for this because then it would basically be the same as 4g except just faster if you're closer i i don't i don't exactly uh i don't have it in front of me right now but i know that verizon was looking for regulatory approval from the fcc for some more uh some more bands i'm pretty sure those got approved hmm. but you have to remember that they're de they're trying to deploy a network when all of the regulatory process has not been completed yet like this is something that's uh, new they have not yeah, proven yeah, yeah. it yet i mean okay. if someone wants to google it real quick they can correct me i'm pretty sure the fcc did approve it recently mm -hmm. um all the 5g bands that uh, AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile were asking for. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, around the world this is happening. So, like, as yeah. we all know, you know, not everyone in the world uses all the same bands. We all use different uh, ways of doing the same thing. There's multiple ways to skin a cat. Like, we will, we will find a way that works best. But then again, when 4G first came out, it was not that great either. Mm -hmm. Like, we all were, you know, young and had phones when 4G was coming out. <laughs> you never got it. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. like, I, I lived I lived in a rural part of Georgia, never had 4G. In fact, I remember when I turned, uh, what is it, 15, and I first got my uh, my first Android phone that actually mm -hmm. would, would say, oh, it has 4G. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I had 4G, walked to my house, 4G's gone. <laughs> Sounds about right. That, that was on T-Mobile. That's why yeah. I have a disdain for T-Mobile to this day. <laughs> I hate T-Mobile hey, because be it was them, it was terrible, man. I could never get reliable 4G. I don't know what's going on, but you know, like I'm sure T-Mobile's gotten better though. I'm not blaming them oh, because they're they great. Get no, 4G. if you I'm ask like, me. Uh, well, where I live, no. <laughs> John may have but, a different opinion, but 
I mean, where I live, obviously not. I can't. I, I walk, literally close the door to my house. Forgy's gone. No idea why. <laughs> but I mean, it's the same thing you're talking about. Like they'll they'll figure out a way to fix this. Obviously, I said the market is going to fix this. People want faster speeds. People want more stuff. And people are also saying that 5G could end up being so fast you may not need home internet. You may just be able to pop a little, you know, wireless uh, or a, a LTE modem mm. or a 5G modem in your house. And it'll provide you home internet too. I mean, I mean, if that's cheaper, I'll go for it. Imagine it. Imagine if they put 5G where I am right now. I think my speeds cap out at around 60 megabits per second. They put a 5G tower right next to us. Like, that's gonna be amazing. Like, well, it's interesting. Aaron did bring up the FCC um, and all the bands they own, and that's been a huge problem. Is the military owns a ton of uh, of the frequency, like airspace. Mm. Um, and these companies are like, we're being restricted. That's why like 2.4 gigahertz, everything runs on it. It's called an ISM band. So your router, uh, cordless phones, microwave ovens, there's yeah. just, it's getting so like congested and, and there's so much, um, interference just from other things. Uh, they're, they're trying to do the same thing. They're trying to be like, Hey, FCC, we need more space to develop these new and innovative technologies. No, it makes sense. Cause yeah, I mean, 2.4 has been used for a while. And Everything runs yeah, on the baby monitors. Any, any you know, Internet like, of Thing device, any IoT device runs on, on two Bluetooth. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I like your wireless speaker. You know, uh, when you turn on your microwave, it starts to fuzz or something like exactly. that. Like everything <laughs> runs on two point four, so it's gonna interfere. Speaking well, of regulation, I'm sorry, we had to do a PSA real quick. <laughs> yeah. The Earn, I believe it's called the Earn It Act, mm-hmm. um, is trying to get through Congress and trying to get rid of in in encryption Mm -hmm. um i don't know why i've had nine people message me this like because i I love politics so i'm always into it what they're taking away end-to-end encryption well they're trying to to. yeah i mean good luck enforcing that yeah i was gonna say how would that work you would be able to just look at pgp back in the 90s oh no you 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 would be able to enforce that on private companies but the open source community is going to be like uh no yeah, I, like they're they're not gonna put up with it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Okay, <laughs> that blows my mind. So wh- how but, would they even? What would that even affect then? Well, everything. Pre- presumably, ISPs would put a filtering mechanism in place to block any connection that attempts to establish a um, in an encrypted connection. So I boot um, up my VPN and my ISP will block it. Blocked. <laughs> I mean, like I said. But it, it's it's going what what they want to be able to do is is they want to have a backdoor into all of these well, in, yeah. in encrypted device. Now here's the problem with that though, is that if they make a backdoor for the government, which sounds cool, it, it to them they're 80 years old. You know they're all in Congress. They're ancient. I don't know, <laughs> but to them it sounds like a fantastic idea. To all mm-hmm. of us who work in IT are like that's not possible. That's a terrible because idea. If you create a backdoor for them, that's not just a backdoor for you, mm-hmm. Bubba Blue. That's a backdoor for everybody. <laughs> like yeah. your house, your house has a backdoor. Everyone can walk through the backdoor now. See what you did? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's a terrible idea. So <laughs> it's like, freaking. I'm, ass. I'm curious. Where, where are you reading this from? I'm, I'm interested. In, like, is that really what they want to do with ISPs? Is put a filter up and. Uh, so they were talking about ways. It, it, the bill is still going through, so it's not in its final stages. But when it was when it was uh, leaked, I think uh, look two three weeks ago, um, when the bill was leaked, they they put a call out asking ISPs how would we enforce it. 
Because if you just make a law, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Sodomy is illegal in Georgia. Who enforces that? No one, because how are you going to enforce it? <laughs> <laughs> not our political. Anyways, um, but that, that's an example of a law that is on the books but is yeah. not enforced, right? Or like, yeah, so, yeah any one of the bylaws that we laugh about, like you can't ride it, a horse on Sunday and eat an ice cream cone or some crap. Exactly. So they put out a call, how could we enforce this? And basically, the ISPs responded by saying, yeah, there's a way to enforce it. We could block all connections that we can't read. That's so and stupid. That works. Yes, that does work. But you're going you're gonna to screw up a lot of the internet. There's no way that's going to be enforceable. Yeah. Because no. the problem is if you cancel that much traffic, like, it's just going to make the internet almost unusable. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be – the only people who are going to win with that are hackers. Now, another way mm-hmm. – that they said they could do it is that they build a backdoor into all of these programs like facebook facebook messenger uses end-to-end encrypted messages so does whatsapp signal otherwise what they want you to do is they want every company to build a backdoor into their program whatsapp already that built way, one for them well <laughs> let's 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 use signal as a good example they would okay. go to signal and they would say signal you have to build a backdoor into your yeah. program yeah. that way if we ask you you can come give us that information think of express vpn Mm-hmm. Or, you know, pure VPN, whatever VPN, Nord VPN. They would go to those VPN providers and hey say, Hey, build a backdoor, that way we could read that data if we wanted to. Yeah, that that's so stupid. There's no way it would happen either. No. And I brought this up before as well, because um, there were a lot of law enforcement agencies and stuff that were talked to about like everyone's using VPN now, everyone's using secure networks. Um, you know, like we have to they were they're talking about like CCTV as well and that like oh we need more CCTV for facial recognition like China does. because um, it would just help us so much. We still catch criminals and they still get caught regardless of what they're they're using. So taking that away from everyone on the internet, like for, in this example, end to end encryption, that doesn't help law enforcement. That doesn't help anyone. Like, they're still going to get caught. Just find a different way to do it. And they are. They always find a different way to catch people. Like, it's not like criminals are just running free because they used a VPN at home. Like, that, that's not a thing. So, like, I, I don't know. It just blows my mind that, that Congress uh, brings up, like, bullcrap like this. And is like, oh, this will help people. But, no, it, it won't. Like, they're still doing their job well, and doing it very well. Well, I don't see this working. We saw this with PGP in the 90s um, back then. Any encryption using more than 40 bits was considered a munition by the U.S. and and you couldn't export it. And Phil Zimmerman, the creator of it, he's like, this isn't. Um, he put all the source code in a hardback book and called it freedom of speech. Like you, you can't really stop this. Um, I don't see how they're gonna stop it yeah. unless we're just under a complete totalitarian thing. Like even China, people are still getting out of China with Tor and different VPNs, and they have this yeah. huge, great firewall of China. Like. You know, I, I definitely disagree with it and think it shouldn't be pushed through. But if it does, if there's a will, there's a well, way. Like, Well, here here's the problem is, is I law enforcement companies are attempting to fight the stem of child pornography and, mm. you know, um, selling drugs online and all the rest of this. But the problem is, is the younger generation who's coming up are a little bit smarter. They're mm. like, I'm going to encrypt my phone. And then yeah. when Apple, when the federal government goes to Apple, we all know about Apple. They had the terrorist phone or whatever. I'm not an expert, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. the federal government went to them and were like, open that phone. They're like, no. I mean, I bet I bet whoever had that conversation was red in the face. They were so angry. They were like, <laughs> but I told you to. And Apple's like, no. And can you imagine, so like companies like ExpressVPN, who they go to them and they're like, hey, 
someone's using your network to do bad things, and ExpressVPN's like, oh, we don't care. We don't keep logs. It's in and encrypted. You yeah. can't do anything to us. Yeah. And I, I guarantee you they're just red in the face. But I take that as part of our Fourth Amendment rights. We're free from, you know, unwarranted searches and seizures. Like, mm -hmm. hey, if you catch me, you caught me. But I VPN everything. So oh, yeah. good Same luck here. with that one. Like, well, the thing is, is when they do, you know, subpoena a company or have a warrant, the company is like, oh, yeah, here's the, uh, you know, the time and the IP address, but that's yeah. it. We don't have anything else. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they don't like, keep logs. So, yeah, like, no. It's only what you want to look for in a VPN company. And I mean, they're trying to break encryption. The problem is, if they, if they do that, it's only going to hurt them. Yeah, this isn't like, going to help anyone. If they put a backdoor in encryption, like I. You know, I hate to say it, but we all use the same types of encryptions. That's all the nation's militaries, the private sector. Mm -hmm. We all use the same technologies here. If yep. you manage to find a way to break it by implementing a stupid law, mm -hmm. you're breaking it for everyone. Well, just think think about what encryption has allowed us to do. It's allowed us to do secure online communication, so shopping, um, taxes, you know, like yeah. even medical stuff, like certain medical things you can Just do online. Protecting your basic information. Um, who is it? Estonia? I think they have PKI and you can vote yeah. online. Yeah, you can vote online. Um, like just different stuff like that. And if they put a back door into it, all that's going out the window. You're back to paper ballots, back mm -hmm. to, you know, having to go to the bank for all your finances, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I feel like this would just start a snowball effect and it would not be pretty. I, I think this is where we have to start thinking about who we're voting for. You know, there's just a, just a plug out there. Think about who you <laughs> vote for. If yeah. it's a dinosaur, maybe we quit voting for the dinosaur. <laughs> that That's what? my thing because people hate. Or, I think or more people just, should just be involved in politics. The yeah, younger generation, they, they all want someone to vote for, but one of them needs to just step up and be like, if this is really what I want, I need to be the voice for it and be and lead that kind of cause. Correct. Well, or I, I approach would even say the just person, vote. or approach the person that's running and ask them these direct questions. Do you know what's being pushed through, and what do you think about it? Like, if they can't answer a simple question like, "Do you want a freaking backdoor into an encrypted end-to-end -end encryption?" Uh, if they don't know well, what that is, then maybe they're not the right choice. Well, they don't understand it, and I don't think they – they're supposed to make, like, committees that research this stuff Correct. and give them, like, opinions. But half the time, I don't even think they do that. Did you watch the Mark Zuckerberg interview? Oh, my God. Like, oh, some of the terrible. stupidest questions they were asking stupid. him, like, I'm like, how do you not understand? Like, this is how Facebook makes well, their money. I will this say, is the though, problem. When they're he dinosaurs. Was, when he was uh, being interrogated or whatever – he took responsibility for anything posted on his site, which I thought was a bad move. Well, no. well, so, he kind of had to with how the terms and conditions are written. Like, <laughs> but I, it, I'm just saying that's oof, that's risky. I I just I, I I see overall that people with this is gonna get a little political for a moment, and then we'll we can we can leave the subject alone. <laughs> but I think I think a lot of people generally they they say they look at things like this and they're like I can't believe that they would pass something like this, and it's like. Well, who'd you vote for? And it's like, oh, I don't vote. And it's like, well, okay, that's part of the fucking problem. Then, like, <laughs> you, you are the issue. Because I have a bunch of friends at home who are like, oh, I really want marijuana to be legalized. And it's like, did you vote? And it's like, well, no. My vote doesn't matter. And it's like, you're some kind of special, aren't you? Like, <laughs> that's the whole reason we vote is like, because I, it matters. I mean, because the thing is, in Georgia, we have a we have a congressman who does not want you know marijuana to be legalized, and it's obviously yeah. a big issue. And it's hilarious that the people who 
you know, stuff like this comes through, and they're like, they're so mad on their Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who'd you vote for? And it's like, my vote doesn't matter. And it's like, and that's why you're never going to get what you want. Like, I, ang- I don't know what to tell you. Neither does your angry Facebook post. Like, <laughs> No, no, it doesn't. If you could vote through Facebook, it'd be hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Like, Oh no! <laughs> oh, please no. no! All right, we're leaving this. I'm gonna talk about this uh, SMB version three vulnerability that came out. We'll just leave that other topic in the, yeah, in the yeah, desk yeah. back there. Um, so there's this new uh, Microsoft recently released a patch for it, and people recommend to install it ASAP. Uh, there's a vulnerability found in SMB version three, and it allows attackers to launch a wormable malware. Basically, a malware that can propagate itself um, from one vulnerable computer to another automatically, and it could just spread and like wildfire. Um, for the people who are interested, the CVE code is uh, 2020-0796, and it, this allows for a remote code execution flaw that impacts Windows 10, 1903, and 1909, also Windows Server, Windows Server version 1903 and 1909 as well. There goes Windows again. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll link a, a post for it but there is a KB article out Microsoft has pushed it and they're saying like install the patch now um, especially if you are if you do use SMB and stuff like that Yeah. which if you have any type of file system you use exactly SMB. Yeah. <laughs> more likely than not <laughs> <laughs> well but, I think that's a, I think it's a good way to end it there uh, with a little <laughs> little non-political uh, happy <laughs> go patch your computer so <laughs> i mean i mean it was listen, true listen. Like... <laughs> we got aaron true. back now we're starting arguments <laughs> oh my goodness all right well we'll uh we'll maybe continue this in the next episode but we're gonna end this one here um okay uh, bye